This Film at Lincoln Center episode is brought to you by Ovid. IndieWire recently called Ovid an increasingly essential streaming service that's perfect for cinephiles determined to create their own canon. Ovid's collection is hand-curated by human beings, never an algorithm, with films and series you won't find anywhere else. Ovid's collection is globally-minded, intellectually curious, and politically radical. Ovid is nearly 30% more affordable than those other indie streaming platforms and will never make you sit through an ad. With documentaries from around the world and films from directors like Chantal Ackerman, Patricio Guzman, and Marlon Riggs, Ovid invites you to look at life through a different lens. And now, through the end of January, sign up at ovid.tv and use code ANNUAL to receive 50% off your first year. Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're revisiting a talk from the 60th New York Film Festival with Alice Diop and Frederick Wiseman, whose films, St. Omer and A Couple, respectively, were both NYFF 60 main site selections, moderated by Desane Lopez Castle, editor-in-chief of Scene Journal. French filmmaker Alice Diop has said that it was the work of Frederick Wiseman that inspired her to become a documentarian. It is fitting, then, that NYFF60's main slate featured new films by Wiseman and Diop that speak to each other in extraordinary ways, including in their deviation from documentary into the more delicate terrain between fiction and nonfiction. Both A Couple by Wiseman and Saint-Omer by Diop take true stories of extraordinary and fraught women as their bases, probing the formal possibilities and limits of cinema and revealing the inner lives of real people. The two directors convened for a conversation about the turn to narrative cinema, the cultural and generational distinctions of filmmaking in France and the United States, the respective approaches to cinema as a mode of systemic critique, and more. NYFF Talks were presented by HBO. Saint-Omer, France's official Oscar entry, opens this Friday in our theaters with Q&As on Friday and Saturday. Get showtimes and tickets at filmlink.org saint. It is both a pleasure and an honor to be here with the two of you tonight, two prolific filmmakers who I'm very excited to talk to about your work. Um, I want to start with talking about some of the things that bring your works together and really tie them together into this talk. Each of your films focus on women who have really gone undervalued or completely unseen in the societies that they live in. And so I want to just sort of start with the basics of hearing each of you talk about how you found your subjects and, and how they came to you. Elise, do you want to start? Yes. Oh, see, uh, I speak in French because my English is a disaster. Right. But, uh, I'm totally interested with uh, Nicolas. But I understand more than I can speak. The subject came to me initially from a photo I saw in the French newspaper Le Monde. The photograph was of a black woman pushing a stroller with a mixed-race baby all wrapped up in um, its clothing on the Gare du Nord, so a train station in Paris. And a few days earlier, a baby had been found on the beach, dead, um, in the north of France. And so this photo was a police search photo 
for the mother. And as soon as I saw this photograph, I had a strange feeling of familiar, familiarity, a feeling that I knew this woman, though I did not know her in real life. And it was perhaps because I recognized that she was Senegalese, but there was something more to it than that. There was a kind of intimate, very personal perception of this woman. And when some days later I learned that in fact she was Senegalese and that the child was 15 months old, which was about the age of my own child because I have a mixed race son too, it turned into this kind of unconfessable fascination because it's really something that you can't admit that you're fascinated by someone who's done such a terrible thing. Et, et donc, sans en parler à, à beaucoup de monde, j'ai décidé d'assister au procès de cette femme qui se tenait quelques mois. So without talking to many people about this, I decided to go and watch the trial, which took place uh, a few months later in the small city of Saint-Omer, which gives its name to the film. And I stayed for the entire trial, and in a completely unexpected manner, I fell into my own subterranean underground passages through being at this trial. And so the film was really born of my own experience there. And it became a film because I realized that many other women had followed the journey that I did. They took an interest in this trial and went into their own buried, dark places. There was something about this story that brought up some of the dark, ambiguous, links and connections that we have with our children and with our mothers. And it's there that I realized that this was a universal story in the way that many women experienced it. Well, all, Thank you. all parents have the fantasy of killing their children at one point or another. Uh, so, uh, but most of us don't. That's actually why I made the film, but I didn't dare to say it in those terms. <laughs> Thank you, Fred, for saying it in those terms. Um, I want to turn to you now and ask specifically how you came to focus on the story of Sofia Tolstoy. I know that the film is based... I'm a little deaf, so a little That's louder. all right. I'm going to come a little closer. Good. I want to turn the same question to you, Fred, and ask you how you came to focus on Sofia Tolstoy, who obviously during her lifetime was very overshadowed by her husband, Leo. Well, uh, Natalie Boudifou, who's the actress who plays uh, Sofia Tolstoy in the film, and I are good friends, and we were talking about film projects, and uh, we both happened to be reading uh, uh, Tolstoy, and Nat Natalie was reading uh, Sofia's uh, notebooks, and uh, which are, you know, a couple of them, about 800 pages long. Uh, and uh, we thought there might be a film in it. And uh, so we began to talk, began to read more and talk more about it. And over, over a period of about a year, the, uh, a script emerged. Uh, Thank you. I want to keep talking about Sophia and her journals you specifically introduce us to her as a grown woman, not... I, I specifically... You specifically introduce us to Sophia as a grown woman, someone who is already disillusioned and lonely and, and deeply isolated. Can you start by telling me about why you chose to begin at that chapter well, in her life? The, the, the Tolstoys were a dysfunctional couple, 
And even though they lived most of their life together in the 19th century, uh, uh, the kind of problems they had uh, were are not unknown in contemporary life. Uh, and uh, so uh, the, uh, I didn't think there was anything uh, uh, old about the story. Uh, and uh, Sophia wanted uh, uh, a partner, to use the current term, uh, uh, someone who would uh, share the responsibility for the children, be interested in their education, uh, spend time with them. And most of all, she wanted somebody who would talk to her. Uh, and uh, uh, her principal, uh, apart from help uh, participating in the production of 13 children, uh, her principal role was to copy his manuscripts. Thank you. Um, Elise, I want to ask you a similar question. Your film also really spends a lot of time in the courtroom. And so we meet Laurence not through seeing her, seeing her do this horrible thing that she is on trial for, but we see her in the aftermath and specifically on trial. Can you talk about why you decided to introduce her to characters that way or introduce her rather to audiences that way where we are already kind of learning of her her loneliness, her isolation, and her disillusionment as well. Oui, c'est très compliqué de parler d'un film que les gens n'ont pas vu en des termes si, si si précis. En tout cas, la chose que je peux dire, c'est que it's very complicated to talk a film about a film that many people in the audience haven't seen yet in such precise terms. But what I can say is that I would not have made the film any other way. Um, as I said, I had a very powerful experience of the trial. And what I saw at the trial was the complexity of this woman. And I saw it through her way of describing herself, her way of using words. And it was the first time that I encountered such a great and abyssal way of feeling or seeing the complexity of a black woman. And that was what attracted me to this story, not the story of, of, a, of a crime, um, which you know some films can be based on. That wasn't it at all. The whole film was thought to restitute or to, to convey the intensity and the power of this woman. The documentary matter of this film is found in her words, in the way that she expresses herself, how Laurence expresses herself. And that's why I made the film. So it was out of the question for me to film what happened before in her life. It was a very natural thing for the film to go toward the courtroom and how she describes her. I want herself. I wanted people through this film to listen to her way of speaking and the way that she described the story of her life. D did you uh, feel that she was lying? Yes, she lied. It's, she's 
elle est extrêmement complexe et je pense qu'elle est aussi Yes, she's she's very complex and that's what's so fascinating about it. It's because she's a woman who is a liar, a woman who is vulnerable, a woman who is a victim, a woman who is guilty and she says all of this about herself. And the film never chooses, never tells you what it is to the very end of the movie I don't say I'm offering to the audience the experience of going back and forth about this woman. She's too complex to reduce to a binary. You can't grasp her. She stays a mystery to the end. Without giving too much away to audiences, I want to talk about just that because I think that what is so captivating about your film and those scenes is the nuances that we see in little gestures. See, we see the twitch of a face, the return of a stare between Rama and Laurence. And I'm wondering if you could talk about your process of writing those scenes, of writing in this deep sense of interiority for both of these characters. En fait, ce qui est très compliqué, vraiment, c'est de répondre si précisément à des choses devant des gens qui n'ont pas vu le film. Well, it's, it's really just so complicated to answer precisely in, in front of an audience of people who probably haven't seen the film. I don't even really know from what end to approach what's a very complex process of writing and, and making a film. What I can say is, you know, it was a real trial. These, these events happened, and without the fictional construction of the character of Rama, I don't think I would have known how to enter the film. I think I, without that character, it would have been just like throwing the sordid aspect of this this crime this this real story in front of the audience whereas rama allows me to get away from the sordid criminal aspect and rama allows me to listen to laurence she makes us feel rama this very important and profound thing about our relationship to our mothers and our children. Because the, the central theme of the film is maternity. And I think that it's this fictional character of Rama that reveals what is really at the core of the film. Um, there are some autobiographical elements that I lent to her character, but it, it's a fictional character. And I myself am a documentarian, um, but this is not a film that I could have made as a documentary. It, it comes from documentary elements, but I could not have made it as a documentary because its nature, the nature of the crime, would have been too precise to be able to get to these universal aspects that I wanted to share. I want to continue talking about the differences between narrative and documentary for each of you. Frederick, I'm wondering if you can talk about, in your case, this is obviously your first foray into fully scripted narrative. And I know that the actors that you, or the actor, actress, excuse me, that you worked with, Natalie, is someone who we normally see more in a theater rather than in cinema. I know that the actor you worked with, Natalie, is someone we normally see more in theater rather than in cinema. Can you talk about your collaboration with her and particularly really working with her on this very phenomenal performance that takes place fully outdoors throughout the length of the film, except for yes, a few pieces? And Natalie and I had worked together 10 years before. Uh, we did a play about the life of Emily Dickinson. Uh, and uh, so we were familiar. We knew how to work together. Uh, and uh, 
the way the script emerged uh, is that uh, uh, we both read the diaries and notebooks and Leo Tolstoy's letters. Uh, and Natalie made an initial selection, and then I winnowed the selection down. Uh, the first version of the screenplay was, or the first uh, selection, that wasn't even a screenplay, was probably a couple of hundred pages. Uh, and then I winnowed it down, and then we worked on it together. Uh, and we made everything in the present tense. And, and some of the translation of uh, her diaries and his letters was a bit archaic, uh, so we tried to make, we, we changed the language to contemporary French. Uh, and uh, we, we didn't work on it. We worked on it episodically for about a year until uh, 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 we felt it was ready, ready to shoot, and then we shot it in 17 days. Can you talk about the rhythm you got into while actually shooting? Talk about the... The rhythm you got into while actually shooting. Most of your films, of course, have been taking places in public spaces where you're dealing with a lot more people. This film is quite quiet and, and solitary. Well, the, the film was shot on an island off the coast of Brittany in a beautiful garden that belonged to a friend of mine, um, a garden La Boulet. And uh, I, I hadn't thought of shooting it in the garden uh, in, in, in the uh, onset of the project, the beginning of the project. But then one day I thought, well, uh, this garden would be a good place uh, to shoot it because it was very beautiful. And, and as I walked around the garden, I began to think of the garden as a character uh, in the movie. Uh, and uh, I hope that comes across in the film because on the one hand, the garden is very beautiful and with the flowers and the trees and the ponds and the various animals that uh, live there. Uh, but on the other hand, the garden at night particularly is a place of great violence. Uh, uh, the animals eat each other, for example, uh, 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 or eat, eat the flowers and the plants. Um, so that uh, there's some, I hope someone watching the film will see some connection uh, between the natural life of the garden and, and uh, the relationship between Sophia and Leo. Thank you. Elise, I want to turn that question to you as well. Can you talk about your process in casting your two lead actors who also come from a background of theater rather than cinema? Moi, c'est vrai que la, la direction d'acteur, c'est quelque chose que j'avais bien entendu jamais envisagé de par ma, mon expérience de documentariste et que ça m'angoissait énormément. C'est true that directing actors is something I had never really considered since I was working as a documentarian, and it's something that gave me a lot of anxiety. I was very, very anxious about it. And in hindsight, I think I can say that my casting was very documentary, which is that. I cast people for who they were. Rama and Laurence, the actresses playing them, 
I wrote for them because I had met them just before I really embarked on the writing. And in the writing, I had the echo of what I had felt of them, of their faces. Um, and then I went through a very long casting process to return to that initial instinct about them. Somehow, my encounters with them had really conditioned the writing, but it took me a really long time to understand that. And then in terms of my way of working, even on the set, you know, with these long sequence shots, uh, I was very inspired, I think, by my work with documentary and how I look at people when I'm working in documentary. Par ailleurs, j'ai une petite anecdote qui vous concerne, Frédéric. Le film est, est donc est composé de longs plans séquences. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you an anecdote that concerns Frédéric. Um, my film is composed of these very long sequence shots, one shot, one scene. Um, and so the actress playing Laurence Gouchelagie, to prepare her for her work, I showed her the 45-minute single-shot scene of a woman called Valerie Jones in Frederick's film Welfare. We watched it together for the power of emotion that Valerie Jones has. Valerie Jones is a character, a person who I never forgot. She inhabits my filmography. She has a world. She continues to have a world for me. And it's like a, a character or a, a woman in Frederick's film Public Housing in a 17-minute single-shot scene in that film of a black woman who is looking to find a bed for a single night uh, for a young woman and a baby who are on the street. These women are great heroines of fiction. They've colonized my way of being a filmmaker. And so I showed my actresses these scenes from Frederick's films to work on how to find that economy of emotion, of feeling. And we found examples of that in these films. I want to ask you maybe one or two more questions before we turn to the audience and permit time for folks who are here to ask questions as well. Um, Frederick, this is your, I believe, your 46th film. Is that correct? All right. Here we are. Um, I'm, I'm very old. Um, Alice, it is wonderful to hear from you about your influences, which include Frederick. But I'm wondering, Frederick, if you could tell me a bit about some of your influences, particularly with this film and your most recent one, City Hall. Well, I, I am. I mean, I, the whole question of influence uh, is a complex subject, which is filled with. Uh, lots of bullshit. Uh, uh, <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Uh, but to the extent that I'm aware of being influenced by anything other than my general life experience, uh, it's the books that I've read, the novels that I've read, or the poems that I've liked. Uh, I'm I'm not much of a cinephile, if that's the right word, uh, or file. Uh, 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 I don't go to the movies very much. I did when I was a lot younger. But uh, I, I think to the extent that I'm aware of being influenced in a, in a general way, it's more the novels and poems that I've read. Tell me and, about and the novels. I found, for example, the best book I ever read about film editing uh, uh, are the letters of uh, 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 
uh, Flaubert to George Sand and Louise Corlette, because when they talk about writing and the issues they have in writing, I think they're talking about film editing. And it's the most eloquent expression of uh, the kind of issues that I've had to deal with. Uh, so I, uh, that, that's an example. I mean, I can't point to anything specific that I've learned, but I, I felt the, the way uh, Flaubert describes his writing process is somewhat, yeah, I'm familiar with the process. Uh, the result isn't as good, but uh, the process is the same. Thank you for that. Elise, did you also want to talk about some of your influences? I know that literature has played a significant role in your work as well. Oui, il y, en a, il y en a beaucoup. Effectivement, moi aussi, je suis beaucoup très inspirée par la littérature, comme vient de le dire euh, Frédéric. Moi, je viens d'études de, de, de sciences humaines et de sociologie, donc très naturellement. Yes, I also have many influences, and um, like Frédéric, I'm, I'm very inspired by literature. I come from a, a social sciences background. That's what I studied, um, and I did a master's in visual sociology, and that's where. I discovered Frederick's film, Public Housing, in that context. I felt that this was a film that was raising anthropological, political, social questions and giving them a form in a very specific sense. So, so my first years were very involved with that kind of thing and, and also literature was very important to me. And then there's another filmmaker who's been a tremendous influence for me and who I mention in all my interviews and she happens to be in the room today but I would mention her even if she wasn't and that's Claire Denis. When I saw Claire Denis' films I had the impression that one could say through one's mise-en-scène things that you can't express and for someone coming from my intellectual background it was really important to see the way that Claire's films could capture what was unspeakable and so in a way I come from those two places you know this this very rigid thinking structure that I found at the university and then this other side that allowed me to get a certain freedom from that structure thank you um, I have many more questions for you, but I will not be selfish. Um, I want to turn to the audience and see if we have any questions. Should folks wait for a mic? Yes, wait for a mic. Well, I, I honestly don't know how to answer that question, uh, because to answer the question, I'd have to talk about, choose illustrations from the work. Uh, and if I understand the question correctly, I'd have to say why I use one thing rather than another. Uh, I think the question might be, and correct me if I'm wrong, about more generally where you felt it was important to perhaps have more of a direct hand as a director or as a writer. Well, I mean, I, I, it's a fiction film. So uh, uh, while most of the uh, uh, writing comes from Sophia... And Leon, uh, uh, some of it comes from Natalie and me. Uh, and I, I, uh, I, I, I there's sort of a fake documentary aspect to it, but, uh, but it's a script. And, and I treated their life uh, in whatever way I wanted to. <laughs> Elise, could you answer that question as well? It's, it's called... Uh, Autistic license. Uh. 
moi, moi, en effet, je pense que j'ai quasiment tout gardé, en fait. C'est-à-dire que l'entièreté de tous les échanges... I nearly kept everything. Um, all the trial between... All, the, all that is said between the judge and Laurence is what was actually said. I went to tremendous lengths to use the trial transcripts supplemented by what was written by journalists who followed the trial. It's identical. Um, what I did was that I made what the text or the words I heard say what I wanted them to say by confronting them with the character of Rama. So really, fiction is just cosmetic changes because the way that Laurence expresses herself is so powerful. In fact, the entire mise-en-scene of the film was configured to allow her words to be heard. For instance, the, the speech that the lawyer the, gives, that Laurence's lawyer gives at the end, that is documentary. That's what was said. I just added the part about chimeras, which you'll understand when you see the film. I only used fiction in a cosmetic way to better hear reality or the real. It's cosmetic. I, I don't really know how else to say it. I have great faith in what the real can say. I use fiction only so that it can be seen or heard better. So the relationship to documentary reality is really essential. Fascinating. Um, I believe we had another question towards the middle. Well, it, it, uh, it felt good uh, to have multiple takes because I had more choice. Uh, uh, in the documentaries, you sometimes get great performances, but they're not performances for the camera, but the, uh, people have one role, which they play extraordinarily well. And if you're lucky enough to be there, uh, when they're saying or acting as they do, You, you get a good scene, but it, it's a combination of uh, uh, chance, uh, good luck, and occasionally good judgment. Uh, whereas in, in doing the fiction film, uh, you can do any, uh, you can do seven, eight, ten, uh, any number of takes you want till you, to, and in different ways, till you, you, you have material in a form. Uh, that you think you can edit into something usable in the final film. I mean, the documentary aspect to a couple uh, are all the scenes where uh, Sophia is walking around the garden. Uh, I mean, I, uh, during the shooting, I knew that I would need transitions uh, be, because otherwise uh, uh, Sophia would just be talking all the time, and I wanted to illustrate the garden, so that during the shooting uh, and for uh, three days after the principal photography was over, we just went into the garden and took shots of the plants and the flowers and the animals. I didn't know at that point how I was going to use them. That was a documentary aspect. But uh, uh, the opening of the film and all the transitions uh, between the talk sequences are, are uh, a consequence of studying the documentary footage and editing it into a form that was useful uh, as uh, either introductory or transitional material. 
I hope that answers the question. Uh, Does it? Seems like it. Alice? I had a lot of apprehension um, regarding my ability to direct actors. I was both fascinated and frightened of the actors, and I pulled it off, I think, because I created a system that brought up something in the actors from the present, from reality. You know, the film basically takes place in a single enclosed space, which is the courtroom, and it's a documentary text, which the actors knew. So in a sense, knowing that they were speaking and working with a documentary text brought up real emotions in their acting. And those real emotions I kept in the edit and in the film. You know, we recreated the trial day by day, and I had the feeling that it was nearly like we had a real trial that we had recreated and that everyone involved, the actors, the people who were watching the trial in the film, were experiencing real emotion. It was like a theatrical setup in a sense. People knew that we were working on a fiction, but that it was from a documentary text. And that opened the door to documentary feelings, real feelings, that the actors couldn't control. And I think that I built the film on the tension between those things. I think it is safe to say that you pulled it off. Um, absolutely. My name is Kevin. Now we know. That's for me, our work since I watched the film since I met her. It's very important too. She gives me a sort of um, energy that I I needed. Uh, the energy of it's not the right word. It's the the strength to believe in in film in cinema. And I I think in Saint Omer. Uh, fiction film, I recognize something that is maybe the same when we do fiction or documentary. It's the, the feeling, the risk, the risk inside the thing, the risk to go somewhere. The issue is not clear, but to take that risk. It, it's not only to to do fiction is not being able to make, to do many things until you feel satisfied. Uh, it's exactly the opposite for me. Fiction is, is a place where, of course, you have a script, you have cast actors, you choose a location, but it's a small uh, bubble. I don't want to say theater, it's a small space where uh, you risk by a few takes to miss, to go to a failure. Mm. And if there is not this risk, fiction is not valid for me. Mm. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's why I like your film. For this reason. I cannot think of thank a better you, note so for us to close on unless there's anything else that the two of you would like to add. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, thank you. Thank and you. with that, 
Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you, Devika and Maddie, for having us. And most importantly, thank you, Nicholas, Elise, and Frederick.